there, and welcome to the Prickly Things Podcast, the show where we are open and honest about everyday life in hopes to empower, motivate, and inspire you. So listen close, because we all love a good story. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to another episode here on the Prickly Things Podcast. This is your host, Sandra Camacho, and I hope you guys are all having a great Thursday. This week is it's been really hard. I think if anyone else also goes through uh, daylight savings, my week, my days, everything has been so off with my schedule. Um, and I say if you guys go through daylight savings because I grew up in Arizona and I did not have a time change. So there was no daylight savings in Arizona So that was so weird for me coming out of Arizona, moving into Texas, realizing people change time. And it's it's just a crazy thing that I am used to it by now, but it's just, you know, I don't know. It throws me off. And if anybody else is also thrown off, this week has been really, really hard. I think this whole month has been really hard. Um, I felt a little bit more detached I think from this show and I think that's very noticeable I haven't been able to post as much as I want on the Instagram page I have not been able to keep up with my schedule for posting and recording and um, you know meeting with guests so it's been a very hard transition and I'm saying transition because the last month and a half I've gone through so many changes in my life I still owe you an episode on my quarter life crisis, which I think at this point I'm still going through it. And I've been compiling my lifetime events to bring up that episode just because so many things have happened in the last month and a half. I think October was just really, really hard. Um, And I'm still going through all the changes from quitting my job, getting a new job, uh, learning to be okay with myself so many things that i have to share with you guys and and come up with you guys so stay tuned i'm working on a new project i'll be having a new series pretty shortly on my stories my adventures my hardships my um you know breakdowns and i'll be able to share a little bit more with you guys so there is um something new coming up hopefully if not this month then next month I'll be releasing a new series here on the podcast, which I am super, super excited about. And I think saying it out loud makes it a little bit more real. Um, And just excited to be able to share a little bit more with you guys about me and bring you guys along with everything that I'm going through. Um, Today, I am actually not in my uh, recording space. I am actually really far away from home. I am on my first business trip ever and literally getting on the road coming on this business trip for the first time ever I think I was driving two and a half hours and I didn't even make it 30 minutes past where I live where I was like I can't do this I'm gonna turn around I can't do this I'll try again tomorrow but you know what it was the first road trip I've ever taken on by myself aside from like when I drove to Dallas and that was very traumatic there was a car accident so uh, that was like my big welcome to Dallas but in this situation, I drove out, made it alive, made it okay. There was a lot of fog. There was a lot of scenery. So Texas is just huge. And unfortunately, I've had to drive to um, my other work location. And 
it's been an interesting trip so far so right now i am in the hotel by myself away from my husband away from my captain my tesla my little dog and cat and um i'm learning to be okay with myself which again this is going to be another part of another episode that i'll be able to share later on but um yeah i'm just super excited this week like i said among all the chaos i've been caught up with everything on social media which has been another thing that i had to step back from through all the things that i had been going through i took a step away from social media i took a break literally had not been on instagram not been on tiktok not been on any of my social medias and that was a good break to have but the downside coming back was that I needed to keep up with the podcast, I need to keep up with the Instagram page, I need to keep up with my recording, and that kind of was harder to get back into, just because I had been off of it for so long that I just, one, was too tired, I didn't know how to get back to editing, I didn't know how to, you know, add that to my schedule, and even now, I'm just, you know, I, I'm trying to make time for it and, and include it in my routine, like I said, there's so many things changing. I mean, right now I am super away from home. So this was a perfect opportunity to unwind, um, be to myself and be able to share with you guys and bring on this awesome episode. And I hope you guys are excited. Um, if you guys already seen the video on Instagram, I posted on Tuesday a little video clip uh, about me and it's always so intimidating posting about myself and it's it's so weird because I love to share, I love to tell stories and I'm a very open person but somehow putting it on social media makes it a little bit like intimidating. But I was super excited to put together a little clip of pictures from my time in college and kind of share with you guys along the theme of what we'll be talking about today about my college experience and being a first-generation college student. And this story is just very special, obviously, to me um, because it's my story of um, being able to go to college and being able to share this with you guys, giving you kind of, a, you know, an inspiration of a lot of things can happen for you if you just work hard enough and if you really believe in yourself and... It's taken me a long time to really accept my story, to really embrace everything that I've gone through. And part of being in college was one of those things that it's hard to believe that I went through something like that. It's hard to believe that I did go to college and it's hard to believe that I've had so many opportunities and experiences and everything that I am today, I owe it so much to my college experience. I owe it so much to the people that believed in me while I was in college, to every person that I've met, all the friends that I've had in college, um, I think that's really when my life really took off. And I'm happy to share that along with you guys. So stay tuned for a ride. I literally came home from work and I washed my face. I had a whole face of makeup and I washed it off before recording because I knew it was going to be a mess. Hopefully I can get through this episode without crying. But just so you know, you're fully warned. I will probably be in tears somewhere along this story and you know it's fine if even if I don't cry um maybe like I said I'm in the middle of processing everything and accepting everything and being happy about everything so hopefully I can get through this story without crying but if I do they're probably happy tears so I hope you guys are in for a ride 
and highlighting that this week we are celebrating um, first-generation college students. And so I think on Monday, November 8th, is the new national, I don't know if new, but it's the national day to celebrate first-generation college students. So throughout Monday, I saw people posting about being in college, about what it meant to be a first-generation college student. And I took a step back to really think about it. And as I was reading people's posts and trying to like see a lot of the things that they were posting, I could relate to, you know, um, I saw this post of someone sharing how their parents only were able to go through a certain level of school. I think if you have parents that are from Mexico and if you live in the United States, it might be common for many of our parents to have only gone to school through maybe first grade, second grade. I think my mom made it through sixth grade. Um, my dad, I know he um, didn't make it past probably sixth grade as well, or maybe even third. I really don't know, but I know that they didn't go to school um, far enough, you know, to have a really good education. And I think just putting a thought on that, it's just very interesting to see how far you, me, everyone has come along from, you know, our education level, from the opportunities we have here in the United States that my parents didn't have, that my mom didn't have, um, even just the opportunity to be bilingual. I think that's that's just a blessing that I have the opportunity to speak both languages, understand both languages. To this day, I still don't understand how my brain can comprehend two languages and like we all know, and I have the episode of being bilingual, you say you speak two languages, but at the end, you're just, you can't even speak one or the other. <laughs> you have a mix of two, but just realizing how far we've all come being first generation college students and being able to break free from cycles of, you know, past generations if your parents didn't go to school far enough into middle school, into high school. For some, maybe they had a college-level education in Mexico. I've met people that their parents are doctors, that their parents are lawyers. And I'm just like, wow, that must be really cool. And, you know, that's not to put shame on my parents, but I know that I am that person that's making a difference in my family where my kids will probably have you know, the opportunity to go to college or, I mean, if they want to, if not, then it's completely fine. But I know that, you know, there's already been changes in our generation. And as we celebrate everything that we've accomplished, you know, being able to go to college today, I wanted to share that part of my story because it's hard. Being a first generation college student is really hard. I think as we I'll share um, any of you that are also first gen. We've never met anybody else that has gone to college. So everything that we learned, we did as we went. You know, we went through school and we figured things out on our own um, from how to find a campus to how do you buy books online. You have a syllabus. You're responsible for going to class every day and so many things that we all experience as first gen. It's hard though being able to be resourceful, being able to handle a lot of hardships, being able to be on your own. 
And I think one of the biggest challenges in all of that mix was being undocumented. As you guys know, this is the DACA series, and I wouldn't be where I am today without being honest and transparent about my own situation. I, as many of you may be listening, if you know someone, if you are someone on DACA, I am also a DACA recipient, and I've shared a little bit more about this on other episodes with my guests. And so DACA is a protection to all undocumented kids that grew up in the States that, you know, grew up to be young adults and don't have a legal status. And so I had grown up in Arizona. I grew up undocumented. I went through school as an undocumented person, always knowing I was undocumented until I was probably in high school. I really started to feel the effects of being undocumented. And so as I share a little bit more about this, again, it's just really hard to relate and really put into words what that feeling is like. I grew up in a community where I had gone to so many schools, so I really didn't have a lot of friends. When I finally made it to high school, I made it to two different high schools. So I went to freshman and sophomore year in one high school, then we moved and then I finished junior and senior year in another high school. And in the new high school that I went to, it was in a white community. So I think I was probably the only, maybe there were two, three other Hispanic um, students in my classroom. Everybody else was fully white, blonde, red hair, um, they had green eyes, blue eyes, they were just so like different from anything that I look like. And it was intimidating. It was really intimidating. It was really overwhelming being the only one and not being able to, you know, really relate to them, really relate to their life experiences because a lot of them were just really, you know, either wealthy, they were in a home with two parents, they were smart talented. I don't know. It was just a whole different world for me. And going into my junior and senior year of high school, these two are the most important years. If anybody's in high school, I think you would agree with me. Junior and senior year really set you out to apply for college. That's all you're doing. You're getting through school, picking out what colleges you're going to go to, trying to figure out what's going to be your next move. Like, we are making life-changing decisions at this point. And we're only, what, 16, 17 maybe? So by this point, I had known I was undocumented since I was 8. You know, when I came to the States, I knew what that meant. And, you know, for the longest time, as I related to other people that knew about my situation, they would always tell me, you're never going to go to college. And these were people like my age, right, that were you know, people that I knew from my neighborhood or from, you know, class that they knew we were kids. They're like, you know, you're not going to go to college. You're not going to be anything because you're not born here. And they were using that to bully me. Like they were already, you know, uh, predicting my future being that I was undocumented, that I wasn't going to be able to go to college. And I told myself, I heard them say that. And I told myself like, no, I know better than that. Like, if I work hard, if I get good grades, if I really try at school, I'm going to go to college and I am going to be 
at that point, I don't even know what I wanted to be. I wanted to be so many things. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be a flight attendant. I wanted to be so many things. And I know you had to go to college. I mean, I knew you had to go to college. But being told that by other kids my age was kind of like overwhelming. Like, hold on. What do you know? You know, like you're my age too. You're telling me I'm not going to go to college. And I would tell myself, watch me. Just watch. And I think that was the challenge I had set out for myself from the beginning. Fast forward going to high school. And this particular high school, I really didn't know, you know, if I was going to be able to go to college. At that point, I had started my junior year and everyone was talking about where they were going to go. In Arizona, you have your options for ASU which is Arizona State University. Woohoo! I'm over here cheering even though I didn't go there, but that was my dream school. Go Sun Devils, <laughs> if anybody is from Arizona. And uh, there was also U of A, and there was also um, NAU. NAU was the other school. And I had my pick. Obviously, I was going to go to ASU. I wanted to go there. And I knew I was going to work really hard to get into that school. Sure enough, you start meeting with your counselors. The recruiters start coming to your school. They're tabling. They're giving you information about, you know, colleges. They're giving you information about what opportunities there are available, scholarships. People in sports are really pushing hard to get a sports scholarship. And, I mean, I, I just had my grades going for me. I really was a straight-eight student. I really pride myself on being good at school, like I, it was effortlessly for me and school was where I did my best. And so I had my grades going for me uh, to be able to go to college. I was really competitive in school. My freshman and sophomore year, it was between me and my friend and we were pushing each other between honors classes and our GPA. And I was like ranked top three or top 10 in my high school that year. And it was a big deal. I think if anything, I was top three. And being ranked top three in your high school was like the, like the biggest thing. Like it was so cool. It was like I was someone, right? Transferring schools really fucked me up. And I lost my ranking. I also, a lot of my creds didn't transfer. So I had a lot of honors classes that unfortunately didn't count as honors or just it really messed up my GPA. I still had a really high GPA because obviously... I had gotten all A's throughout high school, or at least my freshman and sophomore year, but my credits weren't all transferable on my GPA. So compared to everybody else who was already in that school, I ranked a lot lower. And that really bummed me out because one, a lot of my classes I had to repeat, and then two, they didn't take a lot of my credits. So I was just like, okay, well, now I'm going to have to work even harder to catch up to everyone. And so I did. In junior and senior year, I took AP classes. So if you guys are familiar with AP classes, these are classes where you test to potentially get college credit for the classes that you're taking. And I took maybe four each year. So I did a lot of AP. I did a lot of honors. And those were really hard classes. So like I told you guys, I really cared about school. I was a freaking nerd. I mean, literally, that's all I did aside from being home, taking care of my little siblings. I was just studying, reading. 
I knew that I was dedicated enough to get the good grades to go to college and some school was going to see me and say, we want you in my school. Well, that didn't really happen the way I planned it out because I met with my counselor about, you know, what colleges I can go to. And I had to be honest, I didn't have a social security number. And there's a question on every application you have for college. And that question is probably on the first page of every application. So if you are undocumented, if you are on DACA, if you are even on a green card and you've ever gone through a college application or any application for that matter, if you go through the first page, one of the most important things they ask about your you know, information is, are you a U.S. citizen? And that is like firsthand um, the first question they ask on that form. And so I couldn't click yes. And I couldn't click anything else because there were no other selections. My junior year, though, I had gotten DACA for the first time. So that's when I first became a DACA recipient. So coming into junior year, somewhere, I think it was in the middle of the year, I got my DACA. And um, with that, I got a social security number. I was able to have a work permit and so I could have a job. But still, I mean, there wasn't a DACA recipient option on the college applications or scholarship applications. It really was, are you a U.S. citizen? Yes or no. Or are you a U.S. resident? Which I knew that was like a green card holder. And I I didn't have a green card. I didn't have any of that. So at that point, I had to go to my counselor and say, hey, what do I select here? What do I do? And I really blurred out a lot of this part because from what I knew, I wasn't going to be able to go to college. I didn't have the documentation that they needed. We looked at prices for college and we were looking at ASU being over $33,000 per year. We were looking at other schools being just super expensive and just in my situation being a DACA student, Arizona made it really hard for me to be recognized as a student on in-state tuition. If you guys know anything about tuition, there are two categories. You have your in-state, you have your out-of-state tuition. In-state is for anyone that lives in-state, so anyone that lived in Arizona can qualify, and it's a lot cheaper than people who are out-of-state. If you're out-of-state, you're charged overly, like, three times what an in-state person pays. So I had lived in Arizona at this point, maybe 10, 12 years of my life, and they were going to charge me out-of-state tuition for any school that I chose to go because even though I had a Social Security from DACA and I had a work permit I didn't have a legal status and so at that point Arizona was just really racist guys Arizona was just really horrible they were not dreamer friendly I think a lot of it has changed now in 2021 and even our new recent elections where it's now a blue state but I grew up there when there was a sheriff Um, his name was uh, Joe Arpaio if anybody's ever heard that man's name oh my goodness he was terrifying he terrorized the whole town he was just horrible And I grew up under this Arizona. And so they were not dreamer friendly. They were not very good at accepting people like me. And so college not only was expensive, it was not allowing me to apply as an in-state student paying 
over $33,000 on tuition for a year. I was not going to be able to do this. So I thought community college was the way. And I knew, like, my mom was a single parent. I had a job at that point. I started working at Subway. It was my first job. And I started working there. And I knew that maybe, you know, with my little bit of money that I got from my job, I would be able to pay off, you know, for a community college. So I looked up community colleges. And sure enough, that was where I I first started looking to see if I was going to be able to go to community college and I think I had settled for that obviously I wanted to go to ASU eventually I knew I could a lot of people start that way they start two years at community college and then they move up to a four-year university to finish their degree so I was okay with that I really was and given the school that I was at a lot of the recruiters that were coming in were from the community colleges and they were really you know, giving a lot of information, you qualify for this, you qualify for this. Another thing too, is that as a DACA recipient, I don't qualify for federal aid. So anything related to FAFSA, I don't know about student loans maybe. I think, I mean, if you're getting into debt, they probably let anyone get into debt, including me. So I really don't know the qualifications for um, loans. I really, really don't know actually. Uh, at that point, I mean, I wasn't even looking at loans, but um, yeah, I don't qualify for federal aid and grants. There were some grants granted by the school, and so that was if you were, um, you know, accepted, they can offer you some grants, but still, you had to be a U.S. citizen or resident, and so here I am um, looking into a community college, being okay with it, like it was completely fine, I was going to go to college, I was going to get my degree and I was going to work towards something after high school and to not make it like longer I ended up falling into this school it was it's called the Mesa Community College and I ended up getting information about them meeting up with the recruiters their recruiters were just really really nice at one point they had a session where everyone uh, at the top of the class was granted a full ride through community college, which a full ride already was like, oh my gosh, it's free money, it's a full ride to community college. I think they called it a presidential scholarship, if I'm correct. So there was a presidential scholarship awarded to a section of students with the highest grades, highest GPA, most achieving students got the presidential scholarship. Well, my name was on that list to get the scholarship. So can you imagine little Sandra at 16 years old getting a scholarship to go to community college? And it was literally paying the two years that I would be there getting my basics done. And um, I was going to get this presidential scholarship like I had earned it. I had the grades. I had the GPA. I was going to be enrolled at that school. So I literally had had it. I did. And so I went home, I told my mom, mom, I got the presidential scholarship. I, to this day, I really don't know if I have the paperwork or the document that I got with it. I'm telling you guys, it is completely a blur. And just because of how painful it is to remember that. And I remember getting told I was going to get this scholarship. And I was just super, super excited. I really thought I had worked my way to earn it. I really thought... 
I had made it. And even though it wasn't what I wanted, because I wanted to go to ASU, um, I knew going to community college was going to be okay. And I was happy that I had gotten a scholarship. So all the students that were selected for the scholarship, we get picked to go to the computer lab. Mind you, you had to test to be accepted to community college. I think they do like a, a college prep test to see where you are. So I'm telling you, I did all the steps I had to do to get into the school. And so at one point, the recruiters come and they give you the information. They gave me everything I needed. And I think I remember, and I really do remember this. When I was told I got this presidential scholarship, I went to one of the recruiters and I told them, hey, are you sure about this? Because I, and I don't remember the words that I used. I don't know if, I didn't say I was undocumented because that's not how I used to say it. I think I just told them, I have a work permit or I really can't remember how I explained it to him, but I must have not explained it really well because I was trying to tell him, hey, I'm only on a work permit on a social security number, Rudaka. Does this mean I can still get the scholarship? I am pretty sure that's how I asked or what I meant to ask, but somehow, some way, he said, yes, you're fine. You are. You got the scholarship. And I think it's because I had a social security number. I think, um, I mean, on paper, I was good to go. So I was already given the green light that I had gotten the scholarship. I go to the classroom with all of my classmates that also got the scholarship where literally sitting down to complete the enrollment for school and also the scholarship information and so we're sitting down and here we go with that question on that first page we go through your name your social security number your address your phone number and then are you a u.s citizen and if i can tell you how scared I was to see that question on that form. I literally felt my heart race. Um, I got really hot because I was terrified to see that on that form. And there was no option. Obviously, it's a required question, so it's not like I can skip it. I can't move on from that page on the application if I do not answer it. And there was no other option other than yes or no. And I want to say no, but explain no, but I have this, you know, document. I have DACA or I have something. There was no other category. So I gently raised my hand and one of the recruiters show up and I'm just like, hey, I have a question. I put no on the question that says, are you a U.S. citizen? And it doesn't let me move forward. Um, I think the application is broken or something. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with the system, but it doesn't let me move forward to type in other information. And um, he's like, oh, okay, well, and I think at that point he had caught on to, oh, shoot, you're not a U.S. citizen. And... He didn't tell me much because he was busy helping everybody else go through the application. But he's like, why don't you get on the phone with our enrollment office 
and they'll give you more information. I guess either he didn't know or he knew and just couldn't help me. I don't know. But I had to stop my application and I went through and got on the phone in the classroom. This is still the same classroom where everybody else is completing their enrollment. I'm in a classroom with like 30 other kids who do not look like me, who are probably, you know, this scholarship didn't mean much to them. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. And I am on the phone with the enrollment specialist at this college. And I am telling her, hey, I ran into this issue. The application is asking, are you a U.S. citizen? And uh, I am not. So if I click no, it doesn't let me move forward. And she was like, well, I am so sorry to tell you this, but the scholarship is only provided to U.S. citizens or U.S. residents. I'm sorry you were misinformed. And given your situation, I am going to have to resend the offer. And I sat in that classroom on the phone with this lady who didn't know me and who I didn't know. And she had to hear me let out a huge cry as I am doing right now. And I cried. I didn't care who was watching me. I didn't care who was in that room that didn't know my situation. Nobody knew I was undocumented in my school. No, I had not told anybody, not even like the few close friends that I had. And so they just see me blur out crying, you know, like I busted out crying in the middle of class while people were enrolling to the scholarship. And I had to walk out. And I just, I don't even know if I said anything else on that phone call. I just remember getting off the classroom and just crying. I was crying outside because I had just heard the worst thing I could ever hear. I really had my hopes and dreams of going to school. I really wanted it so bad. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to get an education. I knew that was what my mom wanted for me. I knew that was what is expected, being that I was given the opportunity to go to school. And I I rushed out of the classroom like as fast as I could. I couldn't go far because I was still in school, so it's not like I just walk out. But I was outside of the, the computer lab crying hysterically, like hysterically, guys. Like, one of those cries where you're just, like, ugly crying. If you guys have seen Kim Kardashian's ugly cry, I don't think mine compares because mine's just completely, utterly, like, ugh. <laughs> just kind of how I look right now. But, um, yeah, I couldn't, I was hyperventilating, like, <gasps> you know, like, <gasps> those cries. It was just, like, a really awful cry. <laughs> and I remember one of the recruiters chasing after me. And trying to calm me down, like, hey, it's okay. And I, I, don't, I don't remember if he hugged me. I don't remember what he did. I just remember telling him, telling me it's going to be okay. And I really do remember that. And I'm just like, you don't understand. At that point, I literally thought it was the end of the world. I thought it was the end of everything I had worked hard for. I really thought everything I had worked for had been gone. Like, I did this for nothing, you know? Like, how can they win? 
I deserved that scholarship. I earned that scholarship. That scholarship meant everything to me. And over the phone, I was told, sorry, you're not a U.S. citizen or resident. We have to take that away from you. And I literally took time to calm down, get collected. The recruiter, poor thing, his name's Isaac, and I will forever be in debt with him emotionally, personally, and everything because he helped me out a lot more than what he knows. (laughs) And that day as he was telling me to calm down and everything was going to be okay and, you know, we're going to help you. I told him my story and I told him I was undocumented. I told him I had DACA and I told him this was my dream. And he said, you know what? We're going to work together. He's like, you know, we're going to find you a way to go to school and I'm going to help you. Even if it's not to go to school with us, I'm going to help you get there. And I know this was his job and I know, you know, he... He was doing his job, but to me, he cared. You know, he really cared. And that was far more than what I could ask for, for someone to know what someone like us goes through. For an undocumented person to be told, you can't do it, which a lot of us go through that. A lot of us go through that situation where we're told, you can't, you can't. And he was like, you know what? We're going to look for a way to do it. We're going to help you. I'm going to help you. And he didn't know me. He did not know anything about me. But, you know, through that whole experience, I met him. And sure enough, we started looking. Every time he came into the school, he gave me information about different schools, different scholarships. He gave me a list. He gave me resources. He put me in contact with so many people. And that started our, you know, friendship and working together in getting me to school so thankfully this happened early enough in the year where I can still catch up and like do something about it right um which I think I am really really grateful that that letdown happened really early because it really prepared me to what I was going to do next and I'm telling you I worked my butt off to apply to scholarships I was still going to go to community college because that's the only thing I can afford still out of state because they didn't recognize in-state tuition but I was gonna work at Subway and I was gonna go to school I mean I really didn't know what else to do if I didn't go to college I couldn't picture myself working at Subway for the rest of my life I really couldn't like I knew I was more than just that and I didn't know what I wanted to be I didn't care anymore I just wanted to go to school and I worked really hard to apply to scholarships Now, the story after this is just, I will never, ever, ever, ever forget this. We went through so many applications, so many applications for scholarships. And if you guys have ever applied for scholarships, it's just really overwhelming. Like you have to write an essay, multiple essays for some. A lot of things right now, I know TikTok has like a scholarship uh there's a lot of scholarship videos like hey this is for this scholarship and this is a video i think a video would have been so much easier for me but having to write down a story or having to write down a challenging moment in my life it's like oh my goodness it became so repetitive of everything that i would write down and i think i i pride myself to be a good writer 
and I wrote a good statement. I wrote good scholarship essays. And so every scholarship that I applied for, I thought I had it. I was like, I'm going to get this. I really am. And that was the part that became really hard because I just kept getting rejections. Rejections for this scholarship. Sorry, we're out of funding. Sorry, too many people applied. You were not selected. So that made it really, really hard to keep doing scholarship essays because I'm just like, I'm taking my time to do scholarships, write essays, do all this work, and I'm not hearing anything back that I've gotten anything. I don't know. I just, I don't even know who gets these scholarships because supposedly there's so many, but I didn't get any single one of them that I had applied to. And these were just scholarships, you know, for like local students. So I enrolled in classes. I really did. I had my my classes picked out for community college to start that fall. I had gone through because that was the plan. I was I didn't have anything else. I didn't have a backup. And I was just getting discouraged. Um my dad had been incarcerated. So he had been in jail. And through that, there was a scholarship that was awarded to students with parents who had been incarcerated. So I applied to that scholarship. And then I had put in other applications that never I never heard back from. So the recruiter that was helping me get to community college and helping me with the scholarships and helping me with giving me all of these resources, I think he even helped me start or enroll in my bank account. I think he and the community college staff helped me. They're like, well, you're not going to need a bank account. You know, they really, really, really try to help me. And they helped me set up my bank account. They helped me set up all this stuff that I didn't even know I needed. Because, of course, again, first generation, you don't know anything. So you need people to show you and tell you. And they really did. And the recruiter that was helping me through this whole process, he was from El Paso. And he had told me about a scholarship, and it's called the Dream That U.S. Scholarship. This particular scholarship provided over $25,000 for undocumented students. So back in that year, which was 2014, I think the scholarship was still in its, you know, fairly new years, if I remember correctly. It had been on TV earlier I had seen it. It was like those scholarships for like undocumented students. If you know anybody, have them apply, you know, but it's a huge scholarship, guys. Like it's a really big scholarship. Like it's a national based scholarship. So people all over the U.S. were submitting applications. And these were people in my same situation, undocumented, under with DACA, probably with my same similar story. And I was really looking into the scholarship earlier, but the scholarship partners with universities that are dreamer friendly. So they started this fund to help students go to those universities. And these universities were across the US. So if I were to receive the scholarship, I would have to be enrolled in one of these schools. These schools were not in Arizona. As I had said earlier, Arizona was a horrible state to go to school if you were undocumented. They were not friendly, they made everything so complicated, and they were not supportive. So I looked at the schools that they had, California, Texas, uh, New York, 
all the other states had schools. There was none in Arizona. So I completely pushed it off, didn't even look at the scholarship, didn't even look more into it. I was like, I am not going to another state to go to school. Now, I quoted myself on this. I will not go away to go to school. And I was stubborn about it. So I really brushed off the scholarship. I was like, I'm not even going to worry about it. Well, I think we hit senior year. We hit literally after break from Christmas. So like second semester or whatever semester that is when you come back after Christmas. So I was about to graduate in May. And so coming back to um, my last semester of high school, I didn't have any scholarships. I didn't have anything. I was going to work my ass off at Subway to go to school and pay for community college. My counselor or my friend, the recruiter from community college, was giving me all the scholarships to apply. I think he sent me weekly scholarships that he would find. And it so happened that he sent me the Dream That U.S. scholarship again. And he's like, look, if you look at these schools, the University of Texas at El Paso is a really good school. He was from El Paso, so he was trying to sell me El Paso, and it's such a nice place, and it's this, and it's that. So he was telling me about El Paso, and he was telling me about Texas. He was telling me about the school, and he's like, you should apply. And I told myself, no, I'm not going to apply. If you guys know anything about me so far in this podcast journey, I've mentioned I am a daughter from a single parent. Um, And I did just mention my dad was in, in jail, so... My dad was around for some time and then he left and my mom became a single parent. So my mom and I were a team with everything. My mom and I really, really, really worked together to take care of my kids. And I call them my kids because I have a sister, a brother, and another little brother. And uh, my mom worked and I took care of my kids. Like, I took care of them. So... I had told myself that I could never leave my mom. I could never leave my family. My family is really small. It's just my mom and my siblings. And I could never picture me leaving them. I could not, not not to go to school. I really couldn't. And when he was telling me, you should apply, you should apply, that's the whole thing I had in my head. I can't leave my mom. I can't leave my brother, I can't leave my sister, I can't leave my little baby brother because at that point he was only two or maybe one. And I was like, I can't leave. But you know what? Something about it was like, what's another scholarship? Because I was committed to do everything that I could to go to college. I said, sure, let me just do it. He had given it to me to apply. I was trying to hold my end of the bargain saying I did everything that I could and I applied to the scholarship. This scholarship was due on February. I don't remember what day exactly, but it was in February. And literally, I left it till last minute. I left it for Friday. The scholarship was due Monday. And if you guys ever had any scholarships during college or applied to anything, they require certain things. They require letters of recommendation. They require essays. They require the application. So I literally did everything from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday, I was like writing my essay in class. And as a senior, I was really fortunate that I only had like four classes my senior year. So I had the rest of the afternoon to like 
work on homework or if I had a job, I can go to my job. So literally, I start working on the scholarship on Friday and I'm working on my essays, which I literally compiled all of my essays together. I copied and pasted from one paragraph, from one scholarship, from another paragraph to another scholarship, like really. I copied and pasted from all of my essays I had written already. I think that's what made it easier. And I just redrafted my essay to this scholarship. And I think one of the questions was, what has been your biggest challenge? And to this day, I really don't know what I wrote. <laughs> I really don't. I had gone through so many things already at only 16. I had gone through so much that I really don't remember what story I wrote about. And then the other question was, if you could do anything, what would you do? Like, what would be your career goal? If you received the scholarship, what would you study? And that I do remember. I remember saying I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to educate. I wanted to help people like me. I felt like throughout my education, even as a little kid, I had people believe in me. I had teachers that pushed me to be a good student and to try and to never give up on myself. And I wrote about that, that if I could go to college and have an education, I would like to be a teacher so I can teach others and pay it forward. Just like someone changed my life, I would like to change somebody's life. So I said that on my essay, which was completely true. I got a letter of recommendation from my teacher that weekend. I was like, hey, she was super nice, Ms. Brown. She will forever be in my heart. I have not talked to her since I was in high school. I hope she's doing great. I had another teacher who was my AP English teacher. He wrote me a letter and when he gave it to me, he gave me a hug and he said that he loved me. And I mean, I again, I will never forget how much they helped me. And I had to mail this scholarship. So it had to be stamped with the day. Um, so it could be sent to the facility. So I put everything on Monday, literally. So three days working on the scholarship. And again, this is a national scholarship. So I already knew my chances of getting this was pretty low. Like I was just doing this to say I did it. Like I had lost hope. I had lost all, all within me to think that I would ever earn a scholarship like this. I, I really think I did it. I, I wasn't going to get it. And it was a big scholarship, not only $25,000 of tuition, it also paid for like books, it gave you a stipend for books. And um, I mean, I knew I had to go out of state to another school if I earned it, which I had already told myself I wasn't going to do it. So literally, I thought I was just wasting my time applying for the scholarship, but I did it. I put it in my packet. I put it in the mail. My mom dropped me off after school to put it in the mail. But I will not lie to you. When I put the packet and I got to the mailbox and I held it in my hand, I put out a prayer. And it was that Rosa de Guadalupe moment. I swear, I swear, I remember that. And I closed my eyes. And I remember sending that prayer. It was a really short prayer, just saying, God, you know what this means to me. You know how much I need this. And I remember praying about it, putting it in the uh, little mailbox slot and sending it off. That was in February. The day was due. 
So it was stamped and sent to go. And that's it. I literally, that's all I did for that scholarship. Completely forgot about it throughout the rest of the months that were left in that year because I was graduating in May. So after that, I really put my focus in work. I worked a lot of hours. I saved a lot of money. I enrolled in my classes. I was ready to go for a community college without a scholarship. I was okay with it. I had not given up. I was going to work for it. And I was going to be home with my family and everybody else coming up March, April, were getting scholarships. Um, people were getting accepted to the universities. They were doing orientations. Everybody around me was living the dream that I wanted to live. And every time somebody would ask me, I would just say, I'm going to, you know, MCC. But part of me was like, I wish I was going to your school or I wish I could say something different, but I can't. And everybody would be surprised like, oh, I thought you would be accepted here. I thought you would be going here. And I would just be like, no, no, you know, I had to play it off because I didn't want to tell people why I couldn't really go into the big universities like I wanted to. And so there was a scholarship ceremony planned in May. They're giving awards to every student who got a scholarship. And my school had this board of scholarships. And so anytime a student got a scholarship, their picture would go in the board with the scholarship name and the school that we're going to go to and how much they got. So they were tallying up the scholarships that every student got that year. So this is already on my way out senior year, guys. Like I, I was done and having to see everybody around me get scholarships, get full rides, get chosen to go to these schools really nice schools by the way I think somebody went to Carnegie Mellon somebody went to Penn State I'm telling you I was with really smart educated people so many students that really made it high places like really did and uh, they were all gonna get you know uh, celebrated at this scholarship ceremony everybody got to go and people that got the scholarships were sitting out in the front because they were gonna get the certificate and here I was, I went to the computer lab to check on my homework, do whatever I needed to do. And I opened my email and I saw this email come through from the Dream.us scholarship. And just how I had seen all the other emails from every other scholarship come in, the first line was, Dear Sandra, unfortunately. And I think you see the email like preview and I would always see those coming in. This email looked different just from the preview. I opened it and in big letters, Dear Sandra, congratulations. You have been selected as a dream.us scholar. The irony guys, literally the irony of being in the same room where before I had gotten a scholarship taken away from me. It would have been great if I would have probably been sitting at the same like computer, which I'm pretty sure that wasn't it, but I was in the same room by myself this time being told, congratulations, Sandra. We, the Dream.us Foundation, believe in you and we want to give you the opportunity to go to college and pay for your tuition, pay for your books, Pay for everything that you need while you're in college. 
and again having people believe in you having people that don't know you select you for something like this was huge it was I just I think I cried again just like I had cried before about not getting the presidential scholarship I let out a huge cry of like I can't believe this like I can't like that's my name I got the scholarship and it was the same day of the scholarship ceremony and I told my counselor and everybody was just I don't know I was sad that it wasn't celebrated by the school as I thought it would because as they were celebrating everybody else getting a scholarship the fact that I had gotten a scholarship didn't mean much to it they didn't really know what it meant to me as an undocumented person that I had gotten a full ride at this point because it actually became a full ride I'll tell you more about it right now but I got through that day calling my mom in the middle of class I literally went out and I called my mom and I was like mom I got the scholarship I got the scholarship I got the scholarship and it took me a while to realize what the scholarship was and as much as I had gotten the money as much as I had gotten selected among so many students that applied it hit me a little bit down throughout the day and even throughout that week that this scholarship, I could only use it if I go to a school out of state because my state could not take the scholarship. And so that was like a huge hit that as as much as I was celebrating being able to go to college and having it paid for, I had to face the reality of like, oh shit, I can't be at home. I have to leave. And that was really scary. That I couldn't do. I had told myself I wasn't going to leave my mom. My mom needed me. My siblings needed me. My baby brother was only two. So I couldn't leave. I couldn't. I still accepted. I believe I think I had time to accept the scholarship because you have to sign paperwork. Yes, I accept. But knowing how life-changing this scholarship would be not only is everything paid for and covered but I have to leave I had to come up with that decision in such a short time this was already May I had to be in college by August so if I did decide to leave I had to leave and be away in three months like I really had to do this and do this quick now, I also had to be accepted to the university. I had to apply because I had not applied to any of the universities in the scholarship yet. So I really did talk about it with my mom. And of course, she was really happy about it. She was really, really happy about it that I had gotten this scholarship. But she knew what it meant too, which in her mind was like, you're not leaving. <laughs> you know, as my parent, as my mom, I was still 17, obviously, I mean, that doesn't matter in Hispanic culture, how old you are. Your mom, you live with your mom, you obey your mom, you listen to your mom. And she said, you're not leaving, I wasn't leaving. So she was like, oh, que bueno, mija, que bueno, me da mucho gusto. But she didn't really know I would dare to leave. Like, she, she had not thought about that. Because she knew I probably wouldn't leave, or she knew I wouldn't leave. So that same night at the scholarship um, ceremony... They just did a mention of like, hey, 
we received so many scholarships. Even today, a student got a scholarship. And that was everything that they said about me and my scholarship. They didn't give me my award. They didn't give they didn't give me my award. They didn't recognize me like they did everybody else, but that was okay. I recognized myself and I was excited for myself and I was proud of myself for being able to receive the scholarship. If I remember correctly, and this was 2014, so we're talking six years ago, uh, I think over a thousand students applied around the U.S. and only 200 people were selected. And that was like incredible. I have no idea what I wrote in my essays. I really don't remember, at least not in that first one. But my essays, my story, my application was selected out of thousands of applications. And I had not won anything. I had not been selected at any of the scholarships locally in Arizona. And I got a national scholarship. That was huge. That was unbelievable. A DACA recipient, an immigrant, an undocumented student who had worked so hard, who wanted to go to college, was seen as someone with potential and the dream that U.S. scholarship believed in me. So I am just overly thankful to them, to the foundation, to everyone who came together and, and put this scholarship together because it really, it is life changing. And that's just the story of how I got the, the scholarship. Now, where it becomes a little tricky and difficult was actually deciding if I was going to go. <laughs> where was I going to go? Uh, what school was I going to choose to go? Like I said, California, they had schools in California, which California was a dream. UCLA, UC Berkeley. All of the schools in, our, in California were just amazing. I don't remember which schools were in partnership with the Dream That U.S. Scholarship, but I know California was one of the states, and Arizona is right next to California, so I considered California. New Mexico. New Mexico was another one. That was just right there. And uh, my recruiter, Isaac, who was from El Paso, had told me about UTEP, I believe I told him I got the scholarship. And so he was like, you got to go to UTEP. You have to go to UTEP, the University of Texas at El Paso. And so because I knew him and because he was, you know, super excited about UTEP, I looked into UTEP seriously, like I was considering UTEP. And so I put in my application. The thing about UTEP, one of the core things about this university is that it's accessible. They have a really high acceptance rate on students. So it was very likely I would get accepted. And I applied. Um, the scholarship was partnered with the school. And I think for the first time since the scholarship was created, which was still kind of new, the scholarship had students in person, like in classrooms. Because I think the previous year, the cohort selected or the group selected was online. And I was one of the first groups of scholars that were in actual classrooms that I went to school in person and so I had to figure out if I went to UTEP if I went to the University of Texas at El Paso I had to figure out my dorm I had to figure out how to get there I had to figure out if I was accepted navigating a new state it's also in 
uh, next to Sonora, no, next to Chihuahua or Juarez, Mexico. So it's next to the border. And if you guys heard anything about like Juarez, Chihuahua, all of that like area, it's just very dangerous, like especially for women. There's a lot of just horrible things happening there. And so there was that mentality that if I went to UTEP, I was going to be robbed. I was going to kidnapped. I was going to get killed. And being near the border was dangerous and all these things. So I looked at the school and being that I had to be accepted really quick to be able to use a scholarship, I applied to UTEP. And really, in two weeks, I was accepted. And I got another recruiter from UTEP. Her name is Minerva. I hope that one day I can get her on the show and she can share with me how she changed my life too. But um, I had to do everything that you have to do for college in a year, literally in a month, because I had to plan everything else out for August. And I got accepted at UTEP. Not only did I get accepted, but because I had a really high GPA and I did really good on my test scores, I got a scholarship from UTEP. Additionally to the scholarship I got with the Dream That US, which was $25,000 and a stipend for books, I got a scholarship for UTIP. I can't remember how much it was. I really think it was $4,000. And I also got further down in that month of July. I heard back from that scholarship that I had applied to, the scholarship for incarcerated parents. And I ended up getting that scholarship too. So it's just so crazy how one scholarship came in and changed my life. I got another scholarship from UTEP. And then this scholarship came in later on in July. And I got like $2,000 from that. So if I put everything together, I think I had over $30,000 in scholarships to go to school. And it covered my four years of college. Like it was a full ride. Like... Putting everything together, I was going to be able to go to school and not pay for anything other than, of course, my room and board or whatever I needed. But tuition, the most expensive things were covered. And I was still thinking, should I do this? Like, should I take this? Because the catch to all of this was the fact that I had to be away from home. And my mom still had not come up to that realization. My mom was in denial this whole time. I was applying for all these things. I was getting this scholarship. I was getting all these things. UTEP had accepted me to my mom. It really didn't mean anything because she knew I was not going. She didn't think I would do it. And not to do it and not to say that in a bad thing, but she just was in denial. She couldn't believe I would leave. I couldn't believe it either. I really couldn't. But I was just like in a robot mindset like I was just doing the things I had to do without realizing what I was doing without knowing or acknowledging that I was leaving and I ended up um, getting through my last stage of like application at UTEP I had to sign my dorm that was also another thing my scholarship advisor because we were assigned a scholarship advisor. It was a big thing being in the scholarship, guys. Like, this wasn't just a scholarship. This was a whole package. Like, I had a designated person that was going to help me throughout college, that was going to help me enroll in classes, that was going to guide me through college. 
and that was going to help me with anything that I needed. So I had a designated college advisor because I was in the Dream Dot Scholarship group and it was such a big deal. It was such a big thing and they were all excited to have the students be there. And for me to be selected as a scholarship, like the recruiters were really working hard to, you know, cater to us and, and give us the best experience. So my recruiter was just great. Like I said, her name is Minerva and I love her. She really helped me get through everything. It got to the point where I had to sign paperwork. My mom to this point was like, you're not going. Like, what are you doing? Like, we're not signing anything. You're not going. And not to say, like, she didn't want the best for me. But you guys have to understand, and I understand my mom, the position she was in, she was going to let me go. Like, I was going to be away. And, and I know my mom, as much as she loves me and wants the best thing for me, I don't know that she knew me leaving was best for me because... I needed her, she needed me, we were a team, and she was convinced I was not going to go. And I I could not address that to her, I wasn't going to say, yes mom, I'm leaving, let me go. I was always like, I know mom, it's hard, I don't know. I was, I was catering to her emotions knowing that it was really hard for her, and it was hard for me too, deciding to leave. Decía, no mija, no te vayas, ¿por qué te vas? Aquí está tu escuela, aquí tienes la community college. Ya te habías inscrito para la escuela. You had already enrolled in your classes. You had already, you know, um, got your schedule. You were set to go to community college. Like, just stay and, and go here. And I was like, yeah, mom, I know. And I could just, I would just go along with her, you know. I told my recruiter, hey, my mom is having a really hard time letting me go. I don't think I can take the scholarship. Thank you so much for your help, but I really don't think I'm going to go. And my recruiter was so convinced, Sandra, you cannot let this go. This is a full ride. Like, we have a whole network of people helping you. And I was like, I know, but I needed to convince my mom. And, you know, it's just not the best thing. At this time, I can't leave her. I had put into my head that I, I just couldn't and I told her and it happened that she was also from Arizona so during the time that she was helping me apply she had to make a trip to Arizona to see her parents herself and in that trip she came to my house this is a recruiter she came to my house and she sat down in my dinner table my mom had enchiladas, and of course, like, she was like family already because she had been so helpful getting me enrolled and getting everything set up for me to go to UTEP. And she sat down on my table. And I'm telling you guys, I don't know how many people had this experience where their recruiter showed up to their house. It was like those movies, like, you know, when you play sports and you have the recruiter show up at your house and, like, talk to your parents? I was the athlete, you know? getting selected and having the recruiter talk to my mom literally i was living that dream but she sat down and talked to my mom y le dijo señora esta es una grande oportunidad para sandra this is a really big opportunity for her she earned this she has to go and she convinced my mom my mom was like but she's gonna be over there by herself texas is really far I can't let her go. It's not safe. She's going to be alone. She, I mean, she was just worried for me. 
and she was like look I can take care of Sandra I can be there for her if she needs someone if she needs a ride to get groceries if she needs somewhere to be someone to look out for her I will look out for her I give you my word I give you my word that I will look out for your girl and I remember those words from her and again Minerva did not know me she had no need putting herself in my mom's face telling her I'll keep an eye out for her I'll look out for her she really didn't have to do that but she did and she believed in me and she believed in everything that I could do and that I could go to college and be successful and that I deserve this and she talked to my mom and my mom was like okay okay she agreed she signed the paperwork Minerva took off and I think at that point during that trip she also took a lot of my stuff because I was going from Arizona to Texas by myself of course I had a lot of things I mean I've never been away from home I've never been on a trip I've never been anywhere let alone to live anywhere else outside of my house for four years and I had to literally pack everything I packed up my room everything that I could own and Minerva took it to the university where I was going to stay in the dorm. She packed it up in her car and she left with my stuff. So there was no going back, guys. My stuff was already gone. I was going to go to college. My mom had said yes. And up until the day that I left, I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. I really, really didn't, guys. I think, like I said, everything was a blur. Everything was going by so fast like everything happened so fast that I do not remember feeling anything during that time like I was excited I was happy I was sad I was everything at once up until the day that I had to leave that was the hardest day I had ever had to go through having to say bye to my mom having to say bye to my siblings my sister was probably like 12 my brother was probably eight or seven and the baby was two i was going to be away for a long time because i didn't know if i was going to be able to travel back i mean i had daca so maybe there was a possibility i knew i was protected but with me going away to a new city to a new state to a new everything i didn't know what i was walking into i didn't know if i was going to like it and still to that day my mom was like, no te vayas, mija. No te vayas. And I was like, mom, you have to be okay with this. You have to let me go. I told her, look, mom, I can always go. And if I don't like it, if I can't do it, if I cannot handle it, I can always come back. I can always come back home. But if I don't go, if I don't take this chance now, and I give it up, I will never have this opportunity again. Let me go. And my mom was like, okay. And she gave me my bendición. And I took off on a greyhound, which, oh my goodness, that was a whole story. I didn't take a plane because I wanted to sightsee. I wanted to, It was my first trip out of 
Arizona, my first trip ever. So here I thought I was going to have vacation vibes, you know, like going on a trip and, you know, selfies. And, you know, I rode the Greyhound, the Greyhound. So I got on the bus, horrible experience. Anyway, I get to El Paso and the rest is history, guys. The rest is history because once I got to El Paso, I found myself in a place where I really became myself. I got with people with my culture. I got with people that were like me. I got to discover myself. I got to really, really know who I was while I was in college. And it was hard. It was super hard. You think getting a full rate scholarship was that was the hardest thing no i had to keep it right so i had to keep up with it I had to get good grades i had to um also work for to pay for my dorm i had to pay for my food that was out of my pocket i had to have a job while in college so i had a lot of jobs my favorite and the most amazing job i had was to be a resident assistant so i lived at the university and I worked there. I worked at the dorms, which coincidentally was how I met my husband. And we'll talk about that story soon. Um, but I met my husband in college where I worked at the resident halls. He was a resident there. And um, yeah, I mean, I think everything after that just became a lot harder. Being away from home, being homesick. It was a sacrifice I had to do to even get to college. So choosing to leave was literally the hardest thing I've ever done. And up until this day, spoiler alert, I've been out of college now for three years. I graduated in 2018, so May 2018. I got a bachelor's of psychology and a minor in communications. So... What I wanted to do was work in human resources and maybe do communications on the side like like journalism. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to have a book. I wanted to have all these things. And um, it's crazy how things work out because, look, I work in human resources. I got that dream. So my college degree helped me get this job that I have now and the career that I have, which is the career of my dreams. And my minor in communications has helped me have this podcast and have this outlet that it's so creative it's so awesome I love it and um, I get to do what I love so I'm really grateful to my story as a first generation college student and this story was just being able to get a scholarship as an undocumented student there's still a lot more to uncover uh, as I went through college I thought leaving home and saying bye to my mom was hard. The hardest thing was being away for such a long time because school was rough. I went through so much depression, anxiety. I went through homesickness. Throughout the whole four years of college, I was in therapy. Like, really. I had my therapist, which, oh my gosh, I miss him so much. Now that I've graduated, of course, I don't get to see him, but... Oh my God, he was the best, best advisor and counselor I had. So through college, I had therapy for all four years. And I really, really, like I said, got to know myself and got to learn and appreciate everything that I had gone through. And with that story, I share with you guys all 
how I became the first person in my family to go to college, the first person to say bye to my mom and my siblings and be able to break the cycle in my family, be the one to give an example to my siblings because it was a lot of hard work and I missed out on so much on my family. I missed out on my brother growing up. My baby brother was two. When I graduated, my brother was six. And he had already, you know, forgotten most of who I was. I was the person that came in and went from the house. That's it. I was a visitor when I came home. I didn't come home to my house, to my room. I came home as a guest. And just everything after that, my life changed completely. Like knowing the opportunities that come out of having a degree, the opportunities of networking, the opportunities of meeting people, the group of friends that I have. I miss them so much because it gets a lot harder once you graduate and each of everyone goes their own way. But um, as a college student, I will tell you that it's not about the grades. It's not about the GPA. It's not about how long it takes you to graduate because I thought it was. I really thought it was. I killed myself through college. I graduated top of my class. I graduated um, in honors. I graduated like literally working so hard to get out. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, it didn't really matter. Like I still graduated and I still have a job and I still have a degree. But I think I didn't really get to enjoy it as much as I could. But still, I feel like looking back, like I said, it was all worth it. It was just getting there that was hard. And now I tell everyone who's in college, like my sister, my sister is also at the University of Texas at El Paso. Unfortunately, she is not a first generation because I took that and I proudly wear that title. I was the first one in my family to go to college and give my sister, my brother, and my younger brother, an example that si se puede, con papeles o sin papeles, you can go to college, you can get an education, you can do anything you set your mind to do. And I tell my sister now that she's in college, just enjoy it. Don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about your future. Don't worry about what you want to do as an adult. You'll have plenty of time to figure that out. During college, just enjoy it. Enjoy the time to be out with friends. Enjoy the time to have fun. Enjoy the time to mess up. Enjoy the time to not know what you want to do as a major. To not know it's okay. I changed majors like three times, four times. I changed my mind so many times about what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And that's the perfect time to do that. So don't let the pressures of society, the pressures of expectations from family friends people hold you back from being able to enjoy this part of your life I was thankful for every opportunity I had going through college I am thankful for every person I've met like I said everyone has changed my life and gotten me to be who I am right now and I'm just very grateful to the dream that U.S. scholarship for being able to give me this opportunity it really did change my life. And I don't think that I could ever, ever repay everything that they gave me because it wasn't about the money. 
it wasn't just money they gave me a network they gave me other people like once we all got there to the school um we were able to meet other scholars so other people who were in our situation also dreamers who earned this scholarship um we were able to be in a group together do things together that's where i met josh if you guys remember if you guys have heard the first episode on the daca series josh was my first guest and in that story josh also talks about his story being undocumented and getting the dream that u.s scholarship because he also got it and just how much our life changed from that so if you guys have not listened to episode one which was um jr putting him on the map um you guys should also listen to that episode with josh and hear his story which is also an amazing story and um yeah talking about the dream that you a scholarship like i said it's very life-changing we got a lot of things from that scholarship we got tuition covered our books covered a network of people they have sessions they have a facebook group so if you're part of the scholarship you also join a community and in that community you get to talk to people like you you get to talk to people who are professionals alumni are also there so i'm part of the group now and i'm able to talk to people that are currently in school give them you know a little bit of information if they're wondering something specific that maybe I can help them with. I can't. It's just a community where we all get to be who we are and be okay with it. You know, like we are all there to help each other and support one another. And the scholarship has just grown so much from 2014 when I got the scholarship. Six years later, the scholarship fund is awarding this scholarship to all undocumented students. So now, if you guys know DACA, is a protected status for individuals who qualify um this scholarship is open to daca recipients and undocumented students without daca if you guys check out the website it's the dream.us if you guys go online to check the website you're going to see all of the resources for the scholarship right now this is like the most important part of this episode because right now they are going through their scholarship round so they're accepting applications for anyone interested in applying applications are open starting november 1st so this month they opened up the applications and it goes through february 28th of 2022 so you guys have a couple of months to submit your applications they have two scholarships they have a national scholarship they have an opportunity scholarship and um, I believe the National Scholarship is for the people who have DACA or TPS and meet the criteria for the scholarship. The Opportunity Scholarship is for high school students who do not have any protected status like TPS or DACA. So even if you do not have DACA but you meet the criteria for DACA, then you can apply for the Opportunity Scholarship and be awarded this scholarship. This scholarship is a, oh my goodness, wow. Oh my God, guys, they really increased the scholarship. When I got it, I think it was $25,000. Right now, this scholarship is up for $80,000 to cover tuition, fees, housing, and everything for a bachelor's degree. So it's funding for anyone who is eligible, regardless of your undocumented status or regardless of your legal status. Whether you're undocumented, whether you're on DACA, whether you're on non-TPS, you can qualify for this scholarship and be accepted. And like I said, you don't know 
if your life can change automatically. And in the um, website, you can see other scholars like me who have um, been selected for the scholarship. You can see testimonials. You can see um, information about everyone involved in the scholarship, a big supporter and um, a person that's highly, highly involved in our scholar group is Gavi Pacheco. She is a huge advocate for dreamers. So I really highly encourage you guys to look up the Dream by U.S. scholarship and really um, take a look and consider this opportunity. I am open to sharing more about this scholarship, giving you information in the past six years that I've received the scholarship. I was able to help two other students also be selected. I helped them apply. I encouraged them throughout the whole process. Um, I looked over their essays and kind of, you know, uh, peer reviewed it. So if you guys want to reach out to me, um, you guys can contact me over email. I'll be happy to walk you through the application. I'll be happy to show you how to apply. If you need help with anything, don't hesitate to contact me. I would gladly, gladly help you. Um, hopefully, I can get the la um, last two recipients that I helped get the scholarship on the show so they can also share their experience. I've had Esmeralda Lizardi. She's also been a guest on the show, and she's talked about her story getting the scholarship as well and how it's life-changing. It was life-changing for her and um, she's also a resource so she's also on the Instagram page and you can contact her I'm pretty sure she'll be gladly to help and then just again um, if you guys want more information or if you guys are interested in hearing more contact me or contact the dream.us directly if you wish to reach me you can do so at the prickly things podcast at gmail.com I'll also provide the information in the podcast notes and um, share with you guys more on the post once this episode is released. So stay tuned to the Prickly Things podcast on Instagram. And we'll be sharing more information. I'll be sharing more information about this scholarship. Again, helping anyone out that's interested. This is a great opportunity. Um, in order to apply to the scholarship, you need to submit letters of recommendation, two essays, and provide the information by the deadline which depending on the scholarship that you're applying to, you can um, see the deadlines online. So with that, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Thank you for bearing with me for the last hour and a half. I really keep telling myself I want to make short episodes, which one day I will. I hope this episode really allowed us to connect. I hope that you guys felt related and that you guys felt excited and inspired if you guys are first generation college students if you guys are currently in college know that you are breaking barriers you are setting trends for your family you are making a difference every step of the way that you go you're pushing everybody else to go above you and that's just great so i congratulate everyone thank you guys so much for tuning in have a great rest of your night and stay connected with me join me in this episode by commenting um if you guys want to leave a review for this episode you can do so at 
um, Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and check us out on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review the show. Give me some feedback if you liked it. If you want to hear more stories, if you want to connect, please stay in touch with me. You can DM me directly on Instagram as well. You can email me or you can leave a review on the show and I'll be happy to hear your thoughts on this episode. So thank you so much. Have a great night, everyone. Bye.